This is the third week of a series entitled Follow the Leader. And it's just a, a series where we're looking at truth about what it means to walk with Jesus Christ and truths that are, are foundational about following him and being in his presence and what we might encounter and what that might look like. And we started out the series by looking at a passage in Mark 2 where Jesus was talking about new wineskins. And the truth, as you look at that passage and you read it, it just simply is sharing that sometimes it means we need to do new things as God continues to stretch us, grow in us, transform us, there's paths that he calls us to take. But we're called to be something different than we are um, in the past through that growth and transformation and for his mission and his purposes. And so we need to be thinking about that and looking at that. What does it mean to follow Jesus when he calls us to a new path? to be something different or new for him, for his name, for his sake. Last week we looked at walking the walk, a truth out of Mark 7, where Jesus is challenged with being unclean. And he speaks into the hypocrisy that's given in terms of what it means to be genuine and authentic. And the truth there for us was to look into our own lives where is it that we are not being genuine and true? Where is it that we're not following and walking the walk from day to day? The things that we know that God gives as truth. Who, who are we being and are we walking the walk? And today we're going to look at another truth that's really impractical and relevant. And you know, as I, I, I've shared this before, as I um, lay things out um, in terms of a sermon series, et cetera, et cetera, God always brings things together, and he, he um, has clearly done it again this morning. We're celebrating um, National Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians. And so the truth today is going to be about walking when the walking gets tough. How is it that we do that? Who is it that we're in the moment? And what are the things that are tough and difficult for us in terms of walking and following Jesus Christ? I think it's a practical, relevant truth to look at because I think there's a lot of things that are hard for us as we simply try to follow Jesus in the world in which we live. It's hard and tough to be who he calls us to be. And so I want you to start to think about that. What does it mean for you? When you would hear that, um, walking when the walking gets tough, how do you relate that to your life? What are the things that are hard for you to walk with Jesus in, to be a follower of Jesus? I think there's an infinite number of possibilities but I want you to think about that as we read the Word of God. To think about this encounter that Jesus has and the truth that's there and what takes place and what happens. It's John 6, 
verses 60 to 69. And we're going to have to go back in just a minute and look at what precedes it. But this is a passage where we can learn from Jesus' example and who he is in the moment. John 6, verses 60 to 69. On hearing this, many disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the word of God, might have been written on our hearts, lived in our life. So the first verse that I read, um, you see these words. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? I think it only takes a minute to think about how we live our lives and the things that we hear and the things that we read about in the Word of God. And and if you've been a a student of His Word, reading through it, um, but simply just living our lives, you know that there are some things that are hard to accept in God's Word. Isn't that true? Some things that are hard to accept, some things that are hard to obey. If that were not true, we would all be living perfectly. But that's not true. And we just have to be honest about that. None of us is perfect. Um, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. That's true. And what that means then is that there are some things for us personally that are hard to obey and to accept. And I want you to think about the obedience part for just a minute. The, the greater truth that we're going to deal with is the acceptance part. But what about that obedience thing? What is it that's hard for you to obey God in? Where do you fall short of the glory of God? Where do you struggle? And I share that just so that you, you'll think that through. And as we get to the truth in just a minute, you'll see how that applies. The the things that God is asking you to consider and think about in your heart and in your life. And they're different for all of us. There's some commonalities. But there are some things that are hard for you to obey God in that are easy for me. And there are some things that are hard for me that are easy for you. 
but, but we all have areas in our life where we struggle with that obedience word. Following, picking up our feet, doing as God calls us to do, being who he calls us to be. And I think it's a good question to ask, what does that mean for me? If we don't personalize it, if we don't take truth to that level, we never get to where God wants us to go. Now, a part of that has to do with the very words that are mentioned in verse 60. And I just want to flesh it out for a second. This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Accept it. See, part of, of obeying in obedience is accepting that it is the truth that is real and relevant to our lives. That it's something that God says about who it is that we should be and how we should walk and how we should follow. That's just one part in terms of obedience, but there's a lot of other teachings in the Word of God that people, scholars, all over the spear and strata of, of humanity have struggled with. Hard teachings. You're thinking of some already. I don't even have to name them. But I will a couple. People, followers of Jesus Christ today, in terms of, of accepting truth, are struggling with things like, well, what is the role of government, separation of church and state. I've had all kinds of conversations with followers, Christians, about that. What does that mean? What does that look like? God speaks, and yet so does culture. Those two things aren't the same. What really should we do? How should we follow and be Jesus in that situation? There's that particular instance then there's truth about things that he calls us to that people really struggle with, that we wonder about, moral issues, beliefs, those hot-button issues, abortion, homosexuality. I had point-blank conversations with people about that and say, you know what, I just don't know if I can accept what God says about that. I don't know if I agree with Scripture on this one. It makes me ask a lot of questions in response, and some of those we'll get to. But there's all kinds of things that are going on in terms of that acceptance piece. And that's exactly what's happening in this passage when they say, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? See, there are people that are living in a real world with a real culture, with real understandings and truths, and with filters then about certain things that are said and portrayed as truth, just as Jesus does in John 6. That's what makes it so relevant. We're going through the same thing today. Well, what was hard for them? What, what is the, this is the hard teaching? Well, there's a couple of things. And just very briefly, if you'd go back up into chapter 6, you'd see them. Jesus, first of all, is speaking about his divinity. 
that he is the Christ, that he is indeed the Messiah. And they struggle with that. Why do they struggle with that? Because this was the son of Joseph and Mary. If you look at verse 42, they say, isn't this the son? They say that specifically of Joseph and Mary. And what they're saying, isn't this the carpenter's kid? We know him. We know them. And trust me, that does not make for the, 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 the bolt of cloth from which the Messiah is going to be cut. They had an understanding of, of who the Christ was going to be or who they should be according to them. And it didn't look anything like Jesus. Whether it was lineage, social status, income level, whatever it might be. And, and he says, I'm the Christ, the Messiah. Hard teaching based on what they knew and who they had been and what they were thinking about, their life pursuits. It didn't square up. And then Jesus adds something else on top of that. He explains a little bit more about what that means then, that he is the living bread. Whew. And he, he takes that another step. Verse 51, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. There it is. He says, if anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And if you drop down to verse 53, he says this very specifically. I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the a man and drink of his blood, you will have no life in him. We just partook of the elements. We know that that meant spiritually. The bread represents his body, the cup, his blood, given and shed for us. That's what Jesus was speaking about, but they really struggled with that. That They were focused again on the physical. They start arguing about it. How can he give us his flesh to eat? They had these filters. They had these boxes. And part of the reason that they struggled with the truth is because they weren't there. And I want you to really think about that. And because they weren't there spiritually, more on that in a minute, it was more than a hard truth for them. Something that caused a lot of division and heartache and pain. It caused them to grumble and to leave. So, so, so you see that he, he shares this truth. They say this is a hard teaching to accept. And then verse 61, aware the disciples were grumbling, then Jesus speaks. We see those words. And then down in verse 66, from this time on, I want you to, so put yourself in Jesus' shoes right here. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Why was that? Simply because he spoke the truth. And people didn't want to hear it. They didn't believe it. They didn't accept it. 
And so there was grumbling. And then there was leaving. I think this is a really hard thing for Jesus to deal with. There's a couple of times in his ministry that I think he had to have been uh, incredibly sad. I think this was one of them. The people all gathered together. A truth is shared. They struggle with it. They start complaining and speaking, and then they start leaving, and they don't come back. I mean, there is some comfort and understanding and knowing then that sometimes when we share truth and we experience loss of relationship over it, we're right where Jesus was. And yet at the same time, there's some incredible things that we can glean out of this experience in terms of who it is that Jesus was and what it is that we did, uh, that he did, that, that we can learn from about what it means for us to walk when the walking gets tough. And what that means as we're simply trying to lead as we follow, and I, I know I've shared this before, but all of you are leaders at some level and degree. Simply, if you identify with Jesus Christ, you, you're a leader in your family, with your children, with your family members, your husband, your wife, et cetera, et cetera, extended family. You're a leader in terms of influence and being in the, in the circle of friends that you have, maybe in the workplace, maybe at school. God has called you to speak and to be truth, to lead by following him. So there's, there's some level of that that's true for, for all of us. It's not just contained in, in certain titles but in terms of being, who it is that you are relationally to people. And there's a number of different things that people do in addition to grumbling and leaving when that happens. And because it happens. And some of it's centered on just misunderstanding what, what unity really is. It's not about 100% agreement it's about unity in the spirit about being in Jesus Christ together and walking together so when we start thinking about specifics and the things that that are shared unity goes much deeper than agreeing that well it should have been done this way or that way and Jesus gets into that in a moment I think one of the hard things that that I've seen happen is sometimes when there is this grumbling and leaving, and this is one thing that Jesus doesn't do. Um, he, he doesn't put the brakes on. Sometimes people get anxious about certain situations. And so the minute there's some dissent, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We've got to put the brakes on. We've got to stop right here. We've got to get this figured out and hammered out right now. Now, sometimes that's not all bad. You read the temperature and you respond to it. But it causes not only sometimes people to hit the brakes, but then to backpedal. It's not what Jesus does. And I want you to look at his example of what it is that he does do with me in this moment. And it's as much what he doesn't do as what he does do. 
and really focus on the words of verses 62 to 64. It's a great example and again a challenge to us. One of the things that he doesn't do, so you see what they say. Um, does he start to say, well, let me explain this to you, and then he continues to go on, or, he, or he, he builds a case, he builds a defense for his position, tries to justify it, or apologize for the truth. He does none of that. Now, there might be times for that, but often, and, and I, I'm somebody who is guilty of this, if I share truth with somebody and they're like, mm, I, I want to explain it. I want to build a case. I want to justify that truth. And sometimes it's important just to speak it. It's the power of the living word. And we don't need to apologize for it. We don't need to defend it. It is truth. And it carries way, way more power and weight than we could ever try to make it have. So Jesus doesn't go off on this long dissertation about him being the, the Messiah and trying to justify that. He doesn't do that in the moment. And he doesn't, this is another thing that's really important, he doesn't beg people to stay. Why would that be true? I think it's because Jesus was very confident in his mission, and he was very confident in his heavenly Father. He knew both of them very well. And so when, when people started to trail off, uh, he, he asked a question of the 12. You, you, you see that. He says, so are you going to leave too? Verse 67. But he begs no one. He knows where he's going. He knows his heavenly father has sent him. He knows his heavenly father is going to help him to be and to complete his mission, to do what it is that he was sent to do, to be filled with grace, to love people. He knows it's going to happen. And so when there's this, this bailing out, he, he doesn't start begging people to stay. And, and the reasons why are what I want you to really think about. Because oftentimes that's when indeed we either pull back, we backpedal, or we start to apologize for truth, or we start to beg people. And, and, and Jesus does none of that. Things to think about. What did he do? Well, he sh shared um, what needs to be, what needs to be when walking the walk. And this is perhaps the greatest challenge that we have out of this truth, the thing that maybe you need to think about the most and I need to think about the most. When he gets into verses 62 to 64, he speaks about the Spirit. And he says in verse 63, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. What a great saying. The, the, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. I've, the words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. And what is he saying to us in that moment? He's talking about presence. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about what it means to be a follower. 
what it means to accept truth and why maybe truths are hard. And I want you to, to just think about a particular moment that was incredibly hard for you. Again, whether it was a temptation, was a, a moment when you were dealing with sin or when somebody came to you. And, and what was the role, what was the, the spiritual presence of Jesus in your heart in that moment? See, the, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words that I've shared with you are spirit and they are life. So, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, when I read this, I think about the moment, I think about what Jesus is doing, not being filled with anxiety, not doing all these other different things. Why is that? Because he's centered in his heavenly Father and in his word. And for us, it's so hugely important as we encounter hard things in life to be centered in the Spirit to be in the presence of God. Because when we forfeit that, or when we, if we leave God over here and we say, you know what, I'm going to go do my own thing over here, boom, we've made a grave mistake. Things are going to get tough. And when hard moments come, if he's not there in our hearts to fill us to overflowing with all of the promises that he gives, his peace, his presence, Hope, joy, wisdom, discernment. See, we forfeit those things as well when we're not filled in the presence of God and in his spirit. Through prayer, through his word, his truth living and being in us, and by who we're simply being. You know, my wife and I went out to Utah and we took a lot of hikes. And on these hikes, a lot of places, they had different signs, and they talked about how tough they were. So this one was easy. So this might be what you need. This one's a little harder, so this might be what you need. This one's tough. Think about it. And so for each hike that we took, we had to process that and say, okay, what do we need for this journey? Do we need one bottle of water? Is that going to cut it? Do we need three? Can we do it in tennis shoes or should we put on hiking boots? Should we have a backpack with food in it or not? We had to process all of that. And we had to process um, our capabilities. My wife is tough, I'm telling you. That's what life is like. When the walking gets tough, are you prepared and are you ready? spiritually to walk the walk do you know who God is in your heart and your life in such a way that you are completely confident in any given situation that comes your way do you believe what Jesus said to you about who he'll be in your heart and in your life do you believe that he'll equip you, he'll empower you, he'll give you what you stand in need of? Do you believe that as you walk, he walks? He'll never leave or forsake you. Do you believe that he is who he says he is? And that when he speaks truth, when he gives us his word, 
that it brings life. There's hard teachings, folks. And culture and the world. Satan wants to make your life really miserable. Just being honest. Uh, Satan. And so there's challenges, there's disputes to truth. There's attempts to diminish, to derail, to create doubt in your heart about who God is and what it means to follow and walk with him. Think about what it means to be, to walk when the walking gets tough and what it will take. And prepare yourself. Pray, read the word of God, be in his presence. Be equipped. And then think about what will be. You know, I, I love what Jesus says right at the start. When they were grumbling, he says, does this offend you? And then do, do, do you remember or do you see what he said right after that? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he came from? What is he saying? What if you see something miraculous? What if you see something awesome and great? And by the way, you recognize the apostle state. Who saw it? They did. And think of all the other things that they saw. The healings, the feedings, all the, the power of God unleashed grace, life's changed. People that they knew that if they were thinking about them in human terms said there is no way I will ever see this person honor God. They saw it. Life in beautiful, wonderful, profound ways. Did they go through hard moments? Was it tough? Absolutely. But they persevered and they stayed the course. It's incredible. And that's what Jesus is saying to them. This is what will be. Even if you don't experience what that means in the fullness of it, and none of us will as we walk on the face of this earth, but someday. It's going to be more glorious and majestic than you can ever imagine it had to come out because I went to a Mercy Me concert on Friday night. Oh, I can only imagine what it will be like. You know, um, Betty and I, when we took those hikes, there were a couple of them, that when we got to the destination, all I can say is that, that I was in awe of God. His creative majesty is astounding. Took my breath away. And then I think about moments in life where God has taken my breath away. 
because of what I've seen and he's allowed me to be a part of and experience. It is incredible. So brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, I don't know what's hard for you. I don't know what's making your walk tough. I don't know if there's something that you're struggling with in terms of obeying or accepting. But I do know God. And I do know that he loves you more than you'll ever know. And I do know that he has promised to uphold you, to equip you, to empower you, to change you, all of us, transform us so that we can walk the walk even when the walking gets tough. Pray on it, think about what that means, and give God praise. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you. Lord, I think about difficult journeys. I think of the people in this sanctuary that have had rough moments, maybe even rougher than I can put into words. And it has torn at their heart and it has hurt them deeply. Lord, maybe in those moments they've had questions for you or about you. And they've wondered. Lord, I hope that for them their words were the same as Peter's in verses 68 and 69. Who is it that we shall go to? You are the one. You are the one who holds the power of the words of life. Lord, I wonder sometimes, why is it that we would believe a a celebrity, a a sports person that that shares truth contrary to yours? Why would we believe even a so-called expert? Why would we believe a a friend or even ourselves over you? I, I don't know. But God, I praise you for your truth and for how that shakes out in life. And if we just seek to follow you, we'll discover just that it is and we'll discover life and being hard moments yes majestic and glorious moments absolutely so Lord we come before you this morning as a body as people that have our share of problems that are lost and hurting that are struggling with different things in life God is people who just as we celebrated the sacrament this morning are so incredibly thankful and humbled by your grace. I pray that's true for everyone. Lord, help us to strive to be, to walk when things are tough in your name and in your presence and in your spirit. Might it be.